0: Ninth house, nine for the tomb and for all that was lost. The keepers of the locked tomb. The house of the soon tongue. The black vestals. The ninth house is a house of secrets. A cloistered tomb, tended by silent nuns and skeletal thralls. Tasked with a dreadful duty by the Emperor, the Ninth are treated with fear and suspicion, but command respect. It is rare indeed to meet a scion of the Ninth in polite society. Necromantic scion. Hero Hawk Nona Jessimus. Reverend Daughter of Drirva. Cavalier Primary. Ortus Nigenar. House colors, black and only black. Strengths, terrifying, enigmatic, heretical, devout. None may discount the power and grandeur of the ninth. Weaknesses, the ninth house is a ruined shell, peopled by the dead and dying. Few know how deep the rot has set in. Necromantic specialty, the raising and crafting of skeletons. Through a staple of all necromancy, none master the art of skeletons like a knight of necromancy.
1: welcome back book fiends to the wicked good books podcast on today's special episode we're actually going to be recording our first uh, episode of a series of episodes called the unlocked tomb this will feature just emily and i from your regular episode schedule programming but these episodes are going to be a little more plot focused and story world building focused and we're going to talk about things in the locked tomb I will say now we will be discussing spoilers, mostly in regards to the first book, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsen Muir, the book that is featured in this podcast. Um, so if you've been listening to it already, the episodes that are generally longer, the reread episodes, those are when we're rereading the book together um, with our two guests who have not read the book before, whereas Emily and I are huge fans of this book. We love it very much. And we kind of wanted to put together this smaller segment, these little interlude episodes where we can kind of not just gush about the book we love, but really explore the lore and the world building that Tamsin put into this uh, series of hers and perhaps create some context and some some, uh, almost like a digital appendix for our listeners uh, reading for the first time.
2: Yeah, so I am super excited to do these because I think it's, it's a, It's really hard, I think, to go through these reread episodes and not kind of give more of a deep dive into character development and acknowledge the hints that Mirror is dropping as we go. Um, and I don't know if you feel this way, which I've, I, to me, which obviously at this point in the podcast for the listeners who have been here with us, they probably know this about me, but I think primarily... Above all else, Gideon the Ninth shines as a character driven novel agreed so i feel I feel like this allows you is gonna allow us to slow down and kind of get to know and really um spend time with each of the characters because it is a large cast, you know
1: absolutely. not only is it a large cast, but the world is huge. It starts off very small. We're in Gideon's cell, right on the ninth House,
2: yeah. In a, in a crack on a planet. In a crack on a planet. A <laughs> like on a planet in the crevice. In yeah. the crevice of,
1: exactly, um, below a, a prison. Uh, and from there, it only expands. And we're finding that out now with the the reread episode, getting into Canaan House and seeing all the different members of the other nine houses.
2: Yeah, and I think it's pretty interesting, too, the way that Muir writes it. She doesn't do a big intro chapter or, like, you know, here's the first house. Here, well, well, kind of the first house. But, you know, here's the second house. Here's the third house. We don't get that. We just get them as Gideon's, like, wandering around. Exactly. You know? Like, as she's wandering around Canaan house, she just runs into them randomly. <laughs> yep.
1: And they're not in And order. we just...
2: So we have... Yeah. And we have to piecemeal them together. And there's, like, no real, you know, intro. Except she does have the uh, dramatis personae at the beginning. So she does give us that. Yeah.
1: But. Which I think is probably more to keep track of everybody, but I like that going with that environmental storytelling and character-driven narrative that Tamsin is really good at weaving through this um, the series. Through Gideon's eyes, we're learning about these other house members, and based on how what they're how they're dressed, how they speak, how their last names sound, there's all these subtle clues that give hints to their houses and how the culture and society works on their planet per se, we'll say. Um and that to me just fascinated me and that was kind of like the inspiration for creating these little interlude episodes. Now there's a million different places we could start, but I felt like talking about the nine houses of the locked tomb was it just felt like the right place, a necessary place for us to begin talking about um these world-building elements and exploring them a little more. So this is going to be our first episode of The Unlocked Tomb starring just me and Emily.
2: (laughs) Just us.
1: (laughs) So we'll be a little more unplugged. Like I said before, there'll be spoilers. Nothing from book two and nothing that I think will ruin your reading experience if you happen to stumble across the episode. But I want it to be kind of out there now, kind of as a disclaimer that there may be from the hip spoilers that have to do with each house as we talk about them. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing the ninth house. I feel like this is the most natural place to start. Uh,
2: Definitely. <laughs> I was just wondering, so just as a talk, you know, you and me, is it built up like, the human anatomy, like is the ninth house kind of like the, the bones, the bare bones? And then the eighth house, because it's almost like it has layers because we know the third the third house is flesh magicians though, right? Yep. So I guess it doesn't go in order because I was wondering like if the ninth is the bones and they're the foundation, then what's the eighth house? But But the eighth house is some crazy shit, I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah. Like some possession shit.
1: <laughs> There's definitely gonna... It could be the spirit. Um,
2: yeah. So I wonder if it's in, if she did it kind of in order, but I don't think she did because the third house is flesh and the fifth house is like the spirit.
1: Well, it could be the order of the planets too, which we can't <gasps> talk about just yet. But. Yeah. And we know why Harrow's parents are dead and what drove her to be the, you know, the leader of this house despite most people in the ninth house not knowing the truth and i believe the only people that know the truth about Harry's parents are crux and probably iglomene
2: yeah iglomene crux and gideon i think those are the only yep. three i don't know
1: i can't recall ortis. if ortis niganad knows but he
2: right i don't know if he knows i don't I can't recall i don't remember
1: I, it's tough. I feel like you wouldn't know That's like
2: second booky things, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. So. Maybe you should cut that word. That's just me saying that out
1: That's okay. So, speaking of necromantic scions, we have Harrowheart Nonodesimus, Reverend Daughter of um, Cavalier Primary, Ortis Nigonad. Um, now, we know very little about Ortis in the first book in Gideon the Ninth. We learn more about him in Harrow in book two. But. From what we gather, he's not exactly cavalier material, <laughs> and uh, which no. which makes you wonder about past ninth house cavaliers in the type of um, not necessarily rank but reputation they would have to hold to be a cavalier of the ninth. Seeing as we know how important the nuns are and how Harrow and Gideon are treated by the other houses, I can only imagine what a more pronounced and practiced and learned Cavalier not saying Gideon doesn't do her damn best throughout the book, but one that was raised from birth to be the Cavalier, the knife. It just makes me wonder like what that character would be like. Um, And we hear about them um, in the beginning, but um, speaking of God,
2: I think it, well, I just want to say, I think it's interesting because it's a subtle way. um, Like what you're, what you were just kind of describing it's a subtle way for Muir to kind of tell us that fam, familial, or like bloodlines matter. It's kind of like a bloodline inheritance. And we know, obviously, Gideon's not of the bloodline. But as we slowly start to see, as we're going to get into the other houses, a lot of it is the sort of classic genetic yeah. bloodline inheritance. Like the... Which for Ortis is kind of weird, right? Yeah. Because his dad was like an amazing cavalier and he's basically
1: S- Sadly, a
2: failure. I mean, I don't know I don't how to describe opposite. it. He's not a cavalier. He's like the opposite. And yet he's the one who's, yeah, like. but he's still the one who feel, fills that role. So it's, it's almost like they're prioritizing the blood genetics over who's actually the one to fill the role. I don't know.
1: 100% you know, keeping with house politics and uh, bloodlines and royalty and things of that nature, it's definitely true. And it makes you wonder what Ortis's father was like.
2: Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because it's a subtle way for Muir to kind of marry in the fantasy aspects, which we're kind of used to, and exactly. fantastical stories of like the king inheriting the, you know, the hunt for power and the, you know, the inheritance cycle of, you know, parent and child in this kind of fantasy setting. So I think it's just a subtle way to kind of do it.
1: And speaking of the strengths and weaknesses of the ninth house, let's talk about the strengths for the ninth house. We have just some hot words here. Um, Terrifying, enigmatic, heretical, devout. None may discount the power and grandeur of the ninth. I feel like it makes them feel so, ah, not dreadful or foreboding, Um, but there's like a sacredness to them but also this like almost fanatic uh, energy that kind of radiates from them.
2: Kind of cultish, right? Yeah,
1: 100%. And it makes you feel like they're the only ones left practicing this possibly dead religion compared to the other houses which seem to be living quite lavishly and like uh, not that there's cell phones in this world that we know there's there's radio communications but you get the vibe that, you know, the other houses have Wi-Fi and the ninth house definitely doesn't.
2: does not. No. They barely have working heaters.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's very cold there. And uh, so you want to talk about the weaknesses?
2: Yeah, sure. Sorry, I put it down. Okay. Uh, so some weaknesses. The ninth house is a ruined shell peopled by the dead and dying. Few know how deep the rot has set in. Hmm. I like that. Wait I soon. mean, but that's that's what we were just talking about, right? That who knows? Like... As the story unfolds, obviously, having read it, we know how deep the rot sets in. Very deep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's true. And um, I don't know if we wanted to bring this in, but at the end of Gideon, there is some kind of bonus material at the end. Have you read through it?
1: Yeah, some of the appendixes and stuff.
2: Yeah, the cohort intelligence file. I love it. So there's yeah, and I had I honestly hadn't read through it till we started talking about doing the um this this whole chat, but in the ninth house it even says absolutely nothing is known of the ninth house necromancer, scion or cavalier. So they they literally don't know anything about them.
1: Which is. Which makes sense because when Gideon gets there, although what's strange to me is Teacher r- recognizes that Ordis isn't there. I believe, which I always found to be kind of weird.
2: Yeah, he does. He does, but it because they have that tra- tradition of the fam- family thing. That's True. exactly that kind of thing. Like they knew it was a Niganad and Gideon is clearly not that. No. Um, but they even say in that part on the, you know, cohort intelligence files, the necromancer, although inevitably a bone adept, could be anyone. We will proceed with caution. The Ninth House is dangerous and may even warrant hostile status. status which is what you said. They they have this kind of foreboding, cultish, really, really, s- like... Um, you know, separate from everyone else, like a sect of everything else. That they're not a part of it, you know?
1: And I think that's a great way to round out the, at least the, our first touch on the ninth house is that they are separate. They are segregated from the other houses, seemingly far away. It does seem like they're also on the furthest planet um, from Dominicus. Um, in an enclosure here, each of the houses in the locked tomb has a specialty. So let's talk about the ninth house's specialty, which is the necromantic specialty, uh, the raising and crafting of skeletons. Though a staple of all necromancy, none master the art of skeletons like the ninth necromancer.
2: Absolutely Uh nothing is known of the ninth house necromancer, scion or cavalier. Due to their non-responsive status, they may not even arrive. Shuttles are still ordered regularly to the site, but the contents have been blanked out in the system. Someone with a higher intelligence clearance than myself may want to check the database. After the Lictor pilgrimage suggests that the person should be contacted to get a closer look around the perimeter and report findings back to us. Offhand could be anything. The necromancer, although inevitably a bone addict, could be anyone. We will proceed with caution. The ninth house is dangerous and may even warrant hostile status. Since since this is the first episode, and, you know, this is our house, clearly, because forget every other house, <laughs> even the third. <clears throat> um, it, I mean, if it's a little longer, I mean, maybe just a That's little okay. yeah. would be okay. But in, I think it'd be fun to just kind of, in general, talk about how... Gideon kind of doesn't embody any of that.
1: I like that. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's funny how in this book, you come in thinking it's about Gideon the ninth. And yet within the first few chapters, they name her that. And she's like, Gideon who would have literally paid to be being called, called anything any else. else. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <It's just like laughs>
1: so the ninth house is a, uh, a culture of its own. It's a planet, a very small, cold, uh, isolated house compared to the other eight. And the people that live there are these devout nuns and priests of the locked tomb. We have ver- one weapons master who's barely kept together with basically glue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and one general who's, you know, as Gideon describes, old as balls. So <laughs> we have all these robes, dark, dreary uh, figures and and pieces of this backdrop. And then we have Gideon Nav, who is our eyes through this book at least, and doesn't quite fit the mold for what it means to be Ninth House.
2: Yeah, exactly. She's got this fiery red hair. She has this, you know, personality, her humor, and What's the word for it? Like her, the way she talks, she's just like a spitfire. Just, her mannerisms, her behavior. Yeah, just, just so much sass and, and fight and personality. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. It's, it's really fun. I, I like it.
1: She, she's like this Han Solo energy where she comes in and she's talking modern oh, and doesn't yeah. seem to fit in with anybody else in the group. And you get the sense that, okay, she, this person was raised in the same world, but <laughs> definitely either read different textbooks than the rest of the people here or is doing everything they can to not be a part of this house, um, both physically, mentally, um, visually. She, she just <laughs> right. a, She's a she rebel. She doesn't want to paint from, her
2: face. She does not want all. to paint
1: her face. Yeah. yeah. She is a rebel through and through and I find that to be uh, one of my favorite parts about Gideon as a character, but also a great way to reflect the ideals and the aesthetic of the Ninth House by Gideon doing her best not to embody any of them.
2: Yeah, which I think it's interesting because it does, I don't know. if, In general, I feel like at least in the age that I grew up, you know, my back in my day. But, you know, liking bones and gothic things and like reading about necromancers and fantasy, that was kind of rebellious. So it's really funny to see Mirror kind of flip it on its head here where the bones, the gothic, the black is the norm. And by norm. Gideon being kind of like a spitfire, you know, redheaded, porn loving, you know, just, <laughs> just crazy, you know towards woman she's rebelling i don't know it's just kind of fun
1: and it also has this like <laughs> this a combination of monk monastery and nunnery mixed with like almost like a farm yeah. old farm life because it's it's secluded it's isolated They're, Their the skeletons are farming snow leaks in the fields you get the yeah. sense that the food there is probably not very interesting No. Um, all the excitement that Gideon gets us through her magazines makes, and there's, there's no TVs here. There's no Wi-Fi. The only thing these people here of the ninth house have to entertain themselves to, to fill the hours of their day is to devote themselves to the locked tomb in their house. Um, and that I think is what separates the ninth house from the other eight houses. And what I think uh, at least from this book um Harrow kind of embodies going into the story. She sort of like becomes the poster child for the Ninth House and what it stands for. Um, She's all these things, right? She is house colors, black and only black. She's terrifying. She's enigmatic. Heretical. She's devout. And none might discount her power and grandeur. So I feel like she embodies the ideals of the Ninth House and carries them because we don't go back there in this book. This book, no. and I but I feel like the ninth house leaves such an impression from the first few chapters of this book, and then that tradition that that reminder of what the ninth house stands for, and later we know what was lost. Uh, Harrow kind of bears the weight of the ninth house, she is the ninth house,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. So that's going to conclude our first. Unlocked Tomb interlude. Um, I haven't locked down a name yet. I like calling it the Unlocked Tomb. I just think it's funny. I like Um, it. Me too. So I think we're going to stick with that one. But they're basically going to be these little interlude episodes in between our reread episodes. um, Just sort of deep diving into some of the lore and the world building um, of the the Locked Tomb. And we're going to be starting with the Nine Houses. Um, That's going to be... The, the main topic of discussion. Now I'd like to return to uh, this topic in season two, when we read hair of the Ninth*, and we're going to readdress each house with the information we gain uh, in book two. So I did withhold and I know Emily withheld some stuff too um, that we'd like to talk about, but we have to wait a little bit longer because I do want this to be a season one to be about Gideon the Ninth and the information that we have from this book.
2: So I just I think it's really fascinating us going back through. I think it's so helpful because I like I was saying the other day, I think one of the biggest drawbacks or one of the hardest things or kind of I don't know how to put it into better words, but one of the hardest things to get a good grasp on when you're reading Gideon Is the other houses. Because they're such a vast... It's like a big character group. It's a big cast of characters. Yeah. And you don't really interact with them. I mean, you do. But here and there. And you get little bits and pieces. And Gideon doesn't really know the history. She doesn't study books. You know, she doesn't read. She's (laughs) as blind as us. Comic books. Yeah. But so it's kind of fun to go through and highlight. Like you decided to go through house by house. I think it's super fun because... I think it'd be helpful if I was reading it for the first time to have these little interlude episodes.
1: Absolutely. That was kind of the the idea I had. Because uh, you and I had talked about doing these for a while, like interlude episodes that are shorter, a little more bite size, and would add layers to the lore or the backstory or the world-building for these books. Or just straight-up After Dark, me and you having a glass of booze and just talking about the books and just like, you know, like gushing about them, whatever we decided on. But I wanted to start somewhere book related. And there were so many entry points where I was like, we could talk about the the Cavaliers for a whole season. We could talk like there's so many different things we could like pick a topic and go on. But I feel like what was the most beneficial or what would have been the most beneficial for me? Um, was learning about the houses. And I yeah. had found this information before starting Harrow, um, and it helped a lot. Because, again, it's not that the information is not there. You kind of have to look for it. But it's almost better going into it like Gideon blind in the first book. Yeah. And then kind of picking the pieces up as you go. But at the same time, I think touching on them now like this could enhance someone's reading experience for their first time reading it. I for sure agree. And I think it would be cool for our co-hosts or our, our guests to – Check out this episode. I'm excited. Me too. And I want to real quick give a special thanks to our sound designer and our music composer, Tyler Moran. He jumped on board uh, on a favor as he's done for me many times before just because he always loves to get up to trouble. We always have fun in the studio. So just want to give a special shout out to Tyler for joining the group as well as thank the entire Wicked Good Good Books community. Um, It's from you guys' love and support that we're able to do cool stuff like this. So, thank you. Been super grateful for all you guys in the library. So special shout out to the uh, the Discord. That's all we have the time for today, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Stay wicked.